So two weeks ago, before we combined, I, I went over a little bit about this subject, and so some of it may be a little bit old for my young adult class that's been in here, uh, but I did totally rework it, and I reorganized some things, and so um, the content is a little different, so if you hear something, it's never bad to hear something twice, uh, but since I did do that one lesson over here, I didn't want to totally skip out on it, and so we're all on the same page for the next few lessons here. And this idea of heaven's been going around, and as Bible-believing Christians, we get the opportunity on a regular basis to ask people, do they think they will go to heaven? I try to make that a regular practice. I mean, we're not all, I mean, ignorant here. We know that someday everybody's going to die. I mean, the current death rate is what? 100%. I mean, seriously, it's 100%. And whether people like it or not, they do think about death. I think some people maybe aren't too honest about it when you actually discuss it with them. But, but I mean, death surrounds us everywhere. Uh, our plants die in our gardens. They do that. You know, our trees die. We're constantly trying to revive different plants around here on the property. There's death everywhere. When you turn on just about any movie, it has something to do with death. Every TV series has something to do with death. Every book that you possibly read has something to do about death. And so people are thinking about this. And when you do ask people, do they think they will go to heaven, many of them are unsure. We would agree on that. Most, we would agree, are deceived. Almost all want to go, and few know for sure. And so for those that are certain, sometimes I ask them this question, are you ready to go? You know for sure. Now, are you ready to go? I'm talking about like this minute, right now. And usually the answer is, oh, yes, yes, I'm ready to go. Or some, some responses are, well, I've got a few things that I still need to take care of. And if we're honest with each other, uh, you know, not every day maybe are we 100% ready to go. We got maybe a few things we want to take care of, get our houses in order, if you would. A few things, maybe a few relatives we need to call and straighten some things out with. Maybe a few apologies we need to give out. And so some people are ready, some aren't. But even the ones that say, yes, I'm ready to go, they don't desire to go to heaven right at this moment. You say, well, do you want to go right now? If I could, if I could say you could go right this minute, you say you're ready, would you want to go? Isn't that the answer we would probably get from probably just about every individual in this room? Moving down to southwest Florida seven years ago, I, I received a new perspective on life and being around you know, an older population around here, and we definitely do have an older population in this area. Average age is above 60 in the three surrounding towns that we have here. And I thought that I had older people figured out. That's not true. Not true. I thought that I knew what the answer would be to this question. When you get to a certain age in life, I, I would have thought that when you get 80 years old, you'd be like, okay, I'm ready to go. I don't need to live another day. I'm totally satisfied. But what I've come to realize is that's not the case at all. The oldest person in here still thinks, just give me one more day. I just need one more 
day. And we think about uh, Lillian. Lillian recently. I mean, just one day. I mean, I visited her in the hospital more than I visited anybody else. And she still just wanted to be around. And I thought, wow, at her age, I think I just want to give it up and be done. But it's almost not the natural desire to want to do so. And so that was a misconception I had. But it reminded me, sadly, of a a country song, an old country song from way back when, way back when for me, for me, (laughs) probably not for you. But the chorus, the chorus of the country song went like this. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. That's what, that's what the whole premise of the whole song was. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now. And that's the honest truth, uh, isn't it? And so why do we not have the mindset of Paul the Apostle when it comes to heaven? Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We agree with that 100%. He goes on a couple verses later and says, for I am in a trait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And maybe, maybe there are some, maybe most that would say, yes, I, I have a desire to be with Christ. Yes, but it seemed like his desire was a little different. Maybe he was on another spiritual level than where I'm at, or maybe where you're at, where he actually was yearning and desiring so much that he would be with Christ. Now, take into consideration the place where he's at, writing the book of Philippians. We won't get into all that for time's sake. There was a lot of events that transpired in his life, probably to bring him to that place. But yet, he still had this desire that he wanted to uh, be with Christ immediately, like presently. And he goes on a couple verses later to say, but I know... In essence, he says, I know that God has me here, uh, you know, to help you folks and different things. So I've included a few reasons here why we don't desire heaven immediately right now. Why do we not desire heaven immediately? These are just some practical things. The first one is this. We have a natural desire to live. We have a natural desire to live. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden... Did he create them to die? No. He absolutely did not create them to die. And it was, death did not come into existence until the fall of man, until man actually turned away from God. And the verse says, In the day that you eat thereof, ye shall surely die. We know that that's referring to physical, I mean, to spiritual sense. They spiritually died that day. However, they also began to physically die as well. And began to deteriorate. And now, as we already mentioned, the death rate is 100%. But I want us to keep in mind that death really from the creation of man is actually unnatural. Have you ever thought about that before? It's actually an unnatural thing because we were never created to do it. Just like it's natural for humanity to, to have an emptiness without God. Right? We, we are physically born that way. Hopefully, you have a spiritual birth and you have gotten that. But the natural response of every human is that they want to fill a void in their life that can only be filled with God. And another natural desire that we have is to live. And that 
we wouldn't die. So it makes sense to me that when people are laying on their deathbeds and they're fighting and they're twisting and they're turning just to get one more breath, it actually kind of makes sense. I was thinking about Lillian, dear friend of ours, and uh, her son-in-law, Mark, told me a day or two after she passed, she, he said that she was just struggling the entire night. We thought it would be the night. We weren't exactly sure, and she was just wrestling, and she was you know, turning and, and kind of twisting and just struggling and fighting and fighting and fighting, and they were saying, they were saying, Mom, it's okay. It's okay. Just let go. Just let go. It's our natural desire to fight for life. That's why when you go to the doctor and they tell you some horrific news, maybe you've got the big C, cancer. Maybe you've got some other thing that's wrong. And they say, well, we can, we can prolong your life this much longer. The answer is 99.99% of the time of everybody that I hear about is, yes, I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll take chemo. I'll do anything. I'll give my left, my left, what's my left? My left arm. <laughs> I'll do whatever I have to do to stay alive because that's our natural desire is, is to live. Death is actually an unnatural thing. Secondly, we have a misunderstanding of heaven. We don't desire heaven right this moment because oftentimes the majority of people out there have a misunderstanding of heaven. We have this idea, and maybe it's propagated by the media, many different things, I don't know, stories that have been passed down, maybe little things that, you know, maybe little cute little bedtime stories that mom tells us, dad told us about, you know, going to heaven and becoming a little angel and flying around. We've all heard those little silly stories. We often have a misunderstanding about heaven, what it truly is. Some, some of us, we think that heaven's going to be a never-ending church service. 24-7 is going to be church all the time. We're going to be singing to Jesus all the time. And even to the most spiritual person that there is, if that truly is what you know, heaven is about, and that's truly the mindset that we have, that can seem a little overwhelming to think that that's what we're going to be doing. I'm not sure about you, but I know that about 12 o'clock, 12.05, if Pastor Bill goes a little bit longer than that, I'm starting to turn around in my seat a little bit. I'm starting to get a little nervous. I'm, I'm just, you know. But that's a misunderstanding about heaven. Some people don't want to go. They think it's going to be boring because it's just going to be eternity eternity that we're just going to be up in the clouds floating around there's really going to be nothing to do it's kind of like the movies and the picture books make it to where everything's just white and just clouds and white and there's really nothing going on and we have nothing to do that is not heaven that is a total misunderstanding of what heaven is and if you have that view i can understand why you would think so and so many things give the average person a false idea about heaven which is why it's so important we look in the book and see what the book says about heaven. And what you're going to find in the lesson, uh, this is all pretty much introduction, but what you're going to find in the lesson, if we don't get all to it this week, what we're going to find is the things that we're going to go over is not Chris Barrow's opinion about heaven. There's been so many people that have tried to, that have written books about heaven that are totally 100% speculation. And I don't, you don't need my speculation. 
you need what the Word of God says about it, and it will give you encouragement, give you faith. The third reason, the third reason why we don't desire to go to heaven immediately is because we are too attached to this world. We are too attached to this world. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Again, one more time, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Some of us are not heavenly minded and yearning to go there because we're just too attached to what we have going on in our life. We're too concerned with our hobbies. We're too concerned maybe even uh, with our families, although family is important. We're too concerned with our jobs and our careers. We're too concerned with having dollars in the bank account. And all of our life is just invested here. And we don't have our focus on eternal things. Nextly, nextly, what is that? Next, we lack faith. And this is the last one that I have. There's many other reasons, I'm sure, but these are just the, the four that I came up with here. We lack faith. A biblical understanding of heaven can bring faith to us. A biblical understanding of heaven can bring us, bring us faith, and we get that through the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to increase your faith, what do you do? You get in the word. You read it. Of course, you hear it as well. And it increases your faith. And so by going over some of these things, hopefully you gain some faith. Is it possible to do so? Absolutely. Do I think that we're going to know everything about heaven? Absolutely not. We're never going to have this whole thing figured out. I don't think so. And I'll, I'll show you a verse in just a few minutes about why I believe that. But we can know some things. And I want to know everything I possibly can. In 1952, a woman named Florence Chadwick, she challenged herself to swim the Pacific Ocean from the Catalina Island to, the, to mainland California. And this was the same lady. She was the first lady to swim uh, the English Channel both ways. So she was a very accomplished swimmer. Maybe you've heard of her before. And so the day that she went uh, to accomplish this feat. She swam for 15 hours. I don't think she had the shark skin suit like Pastor Bill talked about earlier, but she swam for 15 hours. Finally, on this foggy day, she begged to be taken out of the water. There were boats that were alongside her. She had that were following her, of course, watching for her safety and there uh, to help guide her and direct her, make sure she's going in the right direction and whatnot. And she could barely see him. And she was giving up hope. She was defeated. She was begging to be taken out. And her mother, who was there in a boat alongside, said, Florence, Florence, please, you are so close. You are so close. Just keep going a little bit. And she struggled on a little bit, tried to swim a little bit more. Finally, finally, she gave up. She was pulled out from the water and she was sat on the boat and it wasn't until then that she realized she was less I, I believe it was less than uh, a half a mile away from shore the next day she was in an interview and at a news conference she said all I could see was the fog that's all I could see she said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. 
if I would have just been able to see the shore, I would have made it. Now, we're not going to be able to get to every detail about heaven, but we're going to let you see the shore a little bit. We're going to increase your faith a little bit. And so for believers, that shore is Jesus. And the better picture we have about heaven, a better picture we're going to have about Jesus. And that wonderful place he's prepared for us. And so if you've grown weary, if you've grown tired, I hope this lesson encourages you. I hope you, by the end of it, you look forward to heaven, not just as something after this life, but something that's on the forefront of your mind to give you faith. And so we're going to look at some of these misunderstandings about heaven. A verse that I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. It says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Some people read that verse and they say, well, there you go. We can't know anything about heaven. I has not seen nor ear had heard. We can't know the things God has prepared for us. I agree with that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't study into it what God has given us through the revelation of his word. But verse 10 is often the one that's overlooked. And it says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And what we do know about heaven is, is not really from our own powers, what the spirit has revealed to us, the illumination of the word of God to us. Let's look into a few things. What is heaven? What actually is heaven? Yes, we would say heaven is the place where God dwells, absolutely. Um, but there are different heavens that are mentioned in the Bible. I'm going to give you some verses so we can talk about them just for a minute. There is the first heaven. Now, I'll give you a sneak peek. The next slide, we look at Paul, the apostle, talking about the third heaven. Those of you that have read your Bible a few times probably have come across that before. The third heaven, which is where we get this first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. What is it? Well, it's the, the first one is the atmosphere. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. So every time you come to the word heaven in scripture, it's not always referring to that heavenly place where God is dwelling, where Jesus has a place prepared for us. And so when you read through scripture, you obviously have to take that in consideration. I think anybody, um, you know, looking at things in context would be able to understand that. But that would be the first heaven. The second heaven would be the universe. We would maybe call, say, outer space. Isaiah 13.10 says, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. He's not referring to stars that are in the place where God dwells. He's referring to the stars that are out in heaven, the beautiful ones that we get to look out at almost every night. Another verse that you know probably very well is, I believe it is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens, what is that? Well, the next verse gives us, a, the firmament showeth his handiwork. So the heavens he's referring to, or when you look out at the sky and it just seems, maybe at night, it just seems like it goes on forever. Because to the best of our knowledge, it kind of does. And you can't help but look out at the heavens at night and look out at the universe and not think, wow, something amazing did this. Something 
far beyond us created all. There's no way it happened by chance. And then the firmament showeth its handiwork. That's Marty Roach. That's that beautiful sunset. I don't know if you're here for that, but he put a picture of your, uh, he made, Pastor Bill made everybody jealous of out at your house, a beautiful picture of a, you know, palm tree and overlooking the ocean there at sunset. The firmament, the atmosphere, looking out, beautiful. And so lastly, the third heaven. Here it is. God's dwelling place. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I knew a man, uh, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in body um, I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such, such one caught up into the third heaven. And so that's where we get the, that idea of the third heaven. Moving on here. Heaven is a real place. It is a real place. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's not just some, some place that we go to that's, you know, in our conscious mind, kind of like a dream. It is a real place. John 14, 2 says, Jesus, by the way, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. It is a physical place. Place. By every description that we get from Jesus, this is a real physical place. He used physical terms to describe heaven. What did he say? A house, my father's house. There are many mansions. Some people say many rooms. I, I stick with the King James Version. Mansions. I love it. Mansions. But a physical thing, not just something spiritual. Here are some things that are found in heaven that we see throughout Scripture. There are scrolls in heaven. Read about those in Revelation. There are martyrs. Those are people who have died uh, for the cause of Christ. They wear clothes. Uh, and there's people, palm branches in, in uh, their hands. There are musical instruments. There are horses. I mean, an eagle. There are animals. Of course, there are uh, different beasts that are mentioned that we hear about in Revelation. And so... It is a physical place, and believe me, we could go on and on and on about many different examples showing physical things that are actually that are actually in heaven. I'm trying to see if I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, but I'm going to add this. Think about New Jerusalem. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'm not sure if we'll have time, but we'll try to talk about that a little bit. The new heaven, the new earth, New Jerusalem coming out of heaven and physically being on the new earth, if something physical, if, if the new Jerusalem physically came down for heaven, that would make me assume that heaven must be a physical place too, if something physical came out of it. And so just some thoughts to that. Again, heaven is a real place. Our verse, the next verse after that, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am ye may be also. Not only is it a physical place, but it is an obtainable place. It is obtainable. He says in the next verse, And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, It's obtainable. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we have the privilege as Bible believers to go out in our communities, to our friends, 
to our neighbors, to our family members, and we get to tell them that we know the way that they can obtain heaven, which is a physical, real place. And how do they do that? By going through Jesus Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life. So many people in life are asking this question, how do I get to heaven? Some think they have it figured out, but in many, there is still that big question mark. They know that something lies after this life, and they don't know how to obtain it. But it can only be obtained through Jesus Christ. There's not one way. There's many ways. And today, if you are unsure of where your eternal destiny will be, please, please, please take some time. Afterwards, I'd love to talk with you. Somebody would love to share with you a little bit how you can know for sure. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know without a doubt. I mean, I get discouraged when person after person I talk to says, I'm not sure. Come on. I'm not sure. You can know. You can know. And believe me, if you know, hey, you have a responsibility now to share that with others. Next. It's a real place. Okay, this will be our last, last section here. We've got about six, seven minutes. Heaven or the new earth? Heaven or the new earth? It says in Revelation 21, 1 and 2, of course, there's verses in Isaiah as well um, about the same thing. And it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, which we already mentioned, coming out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so we see there a new heaven and a new earth. Now the heaven that we're talking about here is, I do not believe that God is recreating the place where he is going to dwell. I believe this is like first heaven, second heaven, atmosphere, universe. He's going to create all that new because everything in this universe has been tainted with sin. Right now, we got people who are trying to make their way to Mars for whatever crazy reason. I don't know. No idea why they're trying to do that. But this entire universe has been tainted with sin, and it's all going to be destroyed. And so um, I don't believe, personally, that God's going to remake heaven, the place where he dwells, but everything uh, else for sure. And when you talk to, I often ask the question, are you ready to spend eternity in heaven? Everybody in this room probably use that phrase before, eternity in heaven. But if you ever ran across a Jehovah's Witness, <laughs> they're quick, they're real quick to say, son, son now, you got to read the Bible. You got to read Revelation chapter 21. When it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and how we're going to be living on the earth for all eternity. And I would say, yeah, they got a point. Are we going to live on the new earth? Hey, I believe so. Are we going to live in heaven? Hey, I, I believe so. Um, maybe you thought from a child, maybe, you know, moms, dads, everybody, Sunday school teachers, we always talk about heaven, 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 but very rarely, and if we're honest with ourselves, we'd probably agree, very rarely do we actually talk about the new earth that is coming where we're going to actually, you know, have jobs and duties and many different things, and Christ is going to be ruling, and essentially he's going to remake creation. Now, it's going to be a little bit different because everybody on this new creation is going to be somebody, uh, it's not like Adam where we're worried about a fall again because everybody 
in this new earth has already been purchased with the blood of Christ. And so it's going to be a totally different environment, but essentially he's never gave up on his original plan. And so we are going to live on the new earth. And so you say, well, that's a little confusing to me. Where will we spend eternity? Well, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says this, Then we which are alive and remain, this is referring to the rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I bolded this and underlined it for emphasis here. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So where are we going to be? With the Lord. Now let me ask you this question. We're going to be with Jesus forever. And I don't know about you, but wherever Jesus is, to me, I think that's going to be heaven. What do you think? Amen? we got a lot to look forward to. The new heaven and new earth, when we go over some of these things in the maybe week or two, a few weeks following this, I want you to keep in mind that we're going to kind of use those terms, the heaven, the new earth, synonymously. That although, yes, you could take it back and, and you know, try to dissect a little bit. Well, this is referring... Many things are going to be the same in the heaven where God dwells now and on the new earth, the new Jerusalem as well. Many of it throughout scripture, it seems to be pretty uh, synonymous there where they use the terms sometimes interchangeably. And so please keep that in mind. I do have some things coming. Uh, didn't get to go to all of it, but some details uh, specifically, specifically coming up about heaven right now. If we're to die, what happens uh, Right after that, what do we get to experience in heaven where God dwells at this moment? Um, some things specific to that, but then after that section, um, we're kind of going to be using those terms together, okay? All right, well, I hope uh, this helps you a little bit. Hopefully, you look forward to the coming lessons on heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for the opportunity to go over some of these things. Thank you that we're not out here in life just making up stuff, what we think about eternity. I feel so sorry for folks all around the world who don't have the truth, they're grasping you know, at straws, they're coming up with their own man-made religions, uh, trying to make themselves feel better about life and uh, satisfying that yearning and a desire that only you can fill. And I'm so thankful we have the Word of God that we can, in the next few weeks, uh, open up the Bible, look at some passages of Scripture, and give us just a glimpse into heaven. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.